radioinfluence.com. What is up, everyone? Welcome into a new episode of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Floyd. That is Daniel Galvan. We are here to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Plenty of things going down. Of course, UFC 289 was last weekend. Amanda Nunez retains her title. Then she retires, which, of course, last week we talked about on the podcast. Could this be the last dance for Amanda Nunez? But you know me. Never believe that R word in mixed martial arts. <laughs> Never believe that word because we know that is not going to be true. So we're gonna we're gonna start the show off talking about uh, some things that have been happening on MMA social media. We'll talk takeaways from UFC 289. Of course, preview this weekend's MMA. Of course, we all the big three promotions are running shows this week. Bellator and PFL have shows on Friday night. And then, of course, the UFC has their show there in the Apex on Saturday. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time out of your day to download, listen to this episode of the podcast. Of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you can uh, leave a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell so you know when a new video is up on the channel for you. Listen to us on the podcasting platforms. Be sure to give us a rating and review. But, Daniel, of course, where we got to start off is Juliana Pena. Um, let's just say I think she has not been handling a man who is retiring very well. I disagree, Jason. I disagree. Let me tell you why. Because one of the greatest fighters of all time retires, calls it a career, calls it a day. And who is in the headlines? Juliana Pena. Look, has what she has been saying um, been 100% BS? Absolutely. But. I feel like she's just looking at any time Amanda is in the headlines, I'm going to steal that spotlight. So that's what Juliana has done. She has used Amanda's retirement to get more people talking about her. And she subscribed to the idea of Eric Bischoff that controversy creates cash. It don't matter if they like me. It don't matter if they hate me or agree with me or disagree with me. As long as they're talking about me, then that's great. And the Monday after the GOAT retires, that's who we're talking about. Look, it's very evident that she has people who have ties to professional wrestling in her corner telling her what to do. I mean, it's one of those things. Like, I'm watching the video of her as a man announced her retirement and, you know, the Anderson Silva line. I'm like, why is there not someone around Juliana Pena going, there is a camera right in front of you. This is going to get put on social media. Like, I feel like there should have been someone around her to kind of talk her down a little bit. And, of course, she had her Twitter storm. And then she goes on Errol Hawani's show on Monday, and she has this quote. Quote, the greatest fighter of all time to me is me. You want to know why? Because I'm not a fighter. I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior inside, and there's a difference. A man is a fighter. I'm a warrior. I've got no problem with her calling herself the greatest fighter in the world, because if, I think if, if you're a fighter, you got to believe you're greatest fighter in the world. However, there's, uh, there's this thing called the internet, Daniel, and there's this thing called Wikipedia or topology. And I pulled this stat up. So with a man Nunez retiring, so we're saying she's off the UFC roster at this point. Do you realize Juliana Pena does not have a win against someone currently in the UFC? Wow. I believe it because she's had so many long layoffs. And, and that's absolutely believable. And I thought you were going to go like top 15 fighter, but not even a single fighter in the UFC. That's really crazy to me. And again, it speaks to the fact that she's making the most of it. Like she is, she's full of baloney, right? She has entered the Chael Sonnen zone where Chael was just saying stuff to get people to talk about him. People mm -hmm. really didn't believe that he believed what he was saying. 
because you can't say that she's the best fighter of all time, right? They had the rematch, and Amanda completely destroyed her. It was one of those things where a trilogy was a foregone conclusion, and it was inevitably booked heading into the rematch. But Amanda beat her so bad in that fight that you easily could have made the case to push the brakes on the trilogy fight. Daniel, she just ran out of time. That's... (laughs) Okay. When I heard her say that, that she just ran out of time in the rematch, so I went over to mbadecisions.com. 50-43, and 50-45. You didn't win a round. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a reminder that that was a a perfect game from Amanda. And And like... And there's something she said last week, and she talked about how Amanda can't draw flies. I don't... I'm not going to disagree. Amanda Nunez is not a pay-per-view draw. Me and you both know this. She's still the greatest women's fighter of all time, in in my eyes. I know there are going to be people that believe as Chris Cyborg. I'm sure we'll hear Scott Coker this weekend talk about how Chris Cyborg's the greatest women's fighter of all time. He's her promoter. He's got to say that. But it's one of these things where I'm like, Juliana, like, if your next fight is against Raquel um, um, Pennington, you may be headlining a UFC Apex card. Yeah. You, that's certainly not a pay-per-view main event. And yes, Amanda isn't a strong pay-per-view draw, but she still headlined a pay-per-view and it's a pay-per-view that I expect will probably do one of the lowest numbers the UFC does this entire year, but it was still a pay-per-view that I think did get good buzz. I look around on the internet. I look around even on my own local news where this fight was covered. Bars were still showing this pay-per-view. People were still coming out and watching this pay-per-view. Again, I do think this will be probably the least bought pay-per-view this year. But Amanda is still a draw on her own, right? And she's certainly a bigger draw than Juliana Pena. And you could actually make a case that Amanda was the biggest draw in amongst all the female fighters uh, as she retired. I, I think you look at the men's roster and you probably only have maybe anywhere from 7 to 12 names that are bigger draws than Amanda Nunez. So she still was a draw. She just wasn't a major draw. Yeah, I mean, look, it's and I think this is going to be the issue that the UFC faces now with, with Nunez out of the equation is building up the female divisions. And I mean, look, and reality is, and, and look, Julianne Payne can call herself the greatest fighter because she believes that. The problem is, if you look at on the current UFC roster, you look at someone like Valentin Shevchenko. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Julianne Payne has lost Valentin Shevchenko. Yeah, and that opens up the lane for Valentina to become champ champ. I mean, who at 135 is going to give Valentina problems? I, I don't see a single person well, on that 135 roster. Does she try to regain, regain her title at, at 125? I think it is something to consider there. But yeah, she, that's she, true. She could, sure. she, could, <laughs> she, could easily, she could easily go there and say, you know what? I'm not going to go that route anymore. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to cut weight anymore. I mean, and, and I think none of us would, would blame her if that's what she, she decided to do. I completely forgot she dropped the championship. That's how good Valentina is. I freaking forgot she lost to Grasso. Um, man, I don't know what she should do next because the thing is, Aaron Blanchfield's out there looking like a killer, and I think at some point she will get that championship around her waist. You look at 125 and you contrast it with 135, I, I think that 135 roster is a lot easier. And also you put into equation it's going to be an easier weight cut. I think that's really enticing for Valentina to do a 135 run. But regardless, I mean, Amanda left no challenge for her championship as she retires. 
sure, the Pena fight could have happened. But you look at the gap between her and Pena in the rematch. You look at how Nunez dominated Aldana in the main event on Saturday. There's no one at 135 that can touch her. And, and I guess, Jason, if you're putting together the next championship fight, are you looking at Pennington, Pena? Is there anyone else? And, and who do you think is going to be maybe the next queen of 135, the next fighter that's going to hold on to that championship and defend it a couple of times and, and be that next Amanda Nunez? If I was Juliana Pena, in terms of name value, if Holly Holm wins her fight against Bueno Silva in July, that is the fight I would want if I was her. Absolutely, yeah. That's a good call. I mean, Holly out of anyone is is probably the biggest name outside of Pena. And I would say Pena is a bigger name than Holm at this point just because unlike Holly, Juliana's done a lot better job of talking trash, promoting herself, and, and getting herself over, whereas Holm has really benefited from obviously the, the Ronda Rousey fight. But outside of that, the UFC has treated her like a headliner. She's been put in main event positions on these uh, fight night cards and whatnot. So I think Holm and Pena, that's a great fight. I mean, again, it, it seems like Pena Pennington is where things are going, but let's say that fight happens and Pena wins. Holm is, is a great challenge. And, and I, I, I definitely think Irina Danya will get back into the championship picture. She yeah, she looked really bad on Saturday. There's no bones about it, but you look at her track record before that fight and you kind of look at that top 15. It's like, yeah, I could see her beating Carol Rosa, Panny Kinziad, Macy chase on, you know, those are fights I think Adonia wins. So I think she may, in fact, win that championship. I mean, straight up, if you're telling me who is the most talented 135er now, if we're not including Valentina, I think Adonia might be my pick. I, the problem I would – the reason I don't think I would go that route is the deficiencies in the ground game. You know, I, that's where I still think you, you know, with, with Nunez being out of division, you know, number one it, to me is clearly Juliana Pena. Um, but I could see that certain matchups may may kind of bring her issues. But, um, you know, I mean, look, she's doing a great job of promoting herself. But it, it's also, it's one of these things of like, if you're talking your best wins are against two fighters who are now in Bellator fighting at a weight class above you in Sarah McMahon and Kat Zingano. And, and like, if you look at some of the comments people have had online, it's like, Hey, you're three and three in your last six fights. You know, I think if you're Juliana Payne, you just got to get in there. And um, I, I think that you have to let your fighting do the talking for you and, and give us a reason. Cause I will tell you the sports bar that I was at on Saturday, it was very evident. No one gave a crap about the main event. It was very evident to me. Everyone cared about Charles Oliveira, and we'll talk about Charles Oliveira here in a little bit, but like that was my biggest takeaway being at a bar on Saturday night was like, oh, people were here to see that. Um, uh, also, uh, you know, speaking of uh, some other things that I've seen on MMA social media, have you seen all the flack that Daniel Cormier is getting? Yeah, man, it's it, it's been a lot for old D.C., Look, and so for people who have not seen it, I'm sure everyone has seen it at this point, he does not believe Jim Miller is a UFC Hall of Famer. And I, I thought this was an interesting tweet from Aaron Bronstetter of TSN. He says, is Damian Maya a Hall of Famer? If the answer is no, I don't see how you can make a case for Jim Miller. And I think Jim Miller is awesome, but DC is catching way too much flack for his opinion. And let me just say this. I don't have a problem with what DC said. Now, the UFC Hall of Fame is UFC Hall of Fame. But I found another tweet that I thought was really interesting, and it came from Ant Evans. So Ant used to work for the UFC. He was in their PR department, 
And towards the end of his uh, time being with the UFC, he was uh, one of the big guys behind UFC Fight Pass. And he wrote this on Twitter. He goes, I agree with DC on both Jim Miller and Cowboy in the UFC Hall of Fame. I created the UFC's Hall of Fame fight wing specifically with warriors like Miller and Cowboy in mind. The fight wing is a place to remember them, not side-by-side by by GSP, DC, and Habib in the modern era wing. Exactly. And and that is exactly why DC doesn't deserve the flag he's getting. He's just saying it. It's not fun to say Jim Miller's not a Hall of Famer because he's one of the most fun fighters you've ever seen in the UFC. It's amazing to follow his story and see him attempt to get to UFC 300. And by God, he looked great in his last fight. It's not fun to say Jim Miller isn't a Hall of Famer. But when you say, is he on the same level as GSP? There was never a point in time where Jim Miller was consistently a top five fighter in his weight class. He went on two really incredible runs, but that wasn't a sustained period of being recognized as a top five lightweight, right? Never, never won a championship. The thing is, I don't think DC deserves the flack. But I must tell you, I do believe Jim Miller does deserve to be in the UFC Hall of Fame. I do believe the fact that he has the most wins in the history of the Mm -hmm. UFC, along with the fact that he has the most fights in the UFC. I think that distinction is worth recognizing in the Hall of Fame. Let me ask you this, though. Obviously, UFC Hall of Fame is not our traditional Hall of Fame. It's a promotional Hall of Fame. So they could do whatever they want. And, And I'm sure they will put Jim Miller in. But if you had a traditional mixed martial arts hall of fame and let's say you had you know let's take like look at from the pro football hall of fame aspect you got retired five years before you can go in how long would it take jim miller to get into the hall of fame i think saying you only put five fighters in every year yeah i don't know man because there you're gonna fill up that ballot before you get to jim miller often And let me add, so I, I pull, so Tapology, I just put in um, greatest UFC lightweight fighter. So it only has 16 fighters. Uh, and this ranking was designed by Taylor underscore 335. So it was updated two days ago. Let me give you, I'll give you the, the top 16. We'll go from 16 to 1. Conor McGregor, Jens Pulver, Sean Shirk, Donald Cerrone, Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson, Isla Mahachev, Anthony Pettis, Benson Henderson, Rafael Dos Anjos, Frankie Edgar, Eddie Alvarez, BJ Penn, Dustin Poirier, Charles Oliveira, and Habib Nurmagomedov. I, I would first off say I think Dustin's way too high on this list. Um, I would even say Tony is. The, the question is, it's like because it, it, I was thinking about this the other day, like Jim Miller, longevity, and, and what he's meant to the sport. Yeah, like. Is he a top 25 UFC lightweight of all time? He's not. I think I can give you 25 names of better lightweights. I do. Along with those guys, I think we can add a few more uh, that are better. Um, I just feel like the UFC Hall of Fame, because it's a promotional Hall of Fame, has so much wiggle room for storylines, storytelling, different perspectives, different ways to be recognized as a Hall of Famer. And because MMA is unlike a team sport, I do believe Jim Miller's story of being the Iron Man of the UFC is worth that, worth the recognition. Like, I do think it's worth being like, why is Jim Miller in the Hall of Fame? Let's look into that. Oh, he's had 50-plus UFC fights. Oh, he's had 20-plus UFC wins. Maybe it's relevant to have tears in the UFC Hall of Fame. And Bill Simmons' book of basketball, 
He dreamed up a basketball hall of fame that was full of tears, a place that had Larry Bird and Magic Johnson was a different tier than a place that had Tracy McGrady. And I think that's a great way to have a Hall of Fame because you even look at the Baseball Hall of Fame and you look at some of the greats like Nolan Ryan and maybe you contrast him with a Baseball Hall of Famer that just got in that obviously never had the career of Nolan Ryan. It's worth having a tears in a Hall of Fame to kind of differentiate from your GOATs to the guys who aren't a GOAT, aren't a top fighter, but their career was still legendary in its own right. And that's the category I would put Jim in, and that's probably the category I'd put Donald Cerrone in, who was a top lightweight for a long period of time in the WEC. Well, not a long period, but in the WEC, he was a top lightweight. And, and his, his prime was like 12, 10 years ago. So I just pulled up. Uh, this is over at Fight Matrix, all-time lightweight. So they, so this is not. This is all of MMA. They have thirty-five fighters ranked. Jim Miller is not in this rankings. However, you know who is in this rankings? That's kind of you know that would be an interesting debate. And I would pick Jim Miller at number thirty-three. They have Clay Guida. Oh, I'd put Jim Miller over Guida for sure. But, like just going through some some of the names here. It has Edson Barboza, but of course Barboza spent a lot of his time at one forty-five. So I'll kind of take that out. Nate Diaz. I would have Nate over Jim. He had just a, a much more sustained level of being an elite lightweight. Kenny Florian. I would put Ken Flo over Jim. His peak was much higher. Eves Edwards. That's a tough one. I'm not familiar with his peak. I didn't watch most of his yeah. peak. So that's for someone who watched his peak to tell you because I, I, think- I, I haven't seen a lot of his peak. And one of the things that I've seen people talk about in comparing Donald Cerrone to Jim Miller. The one thing Cerrone does have going for him is he challenged for a UFC lightweight title. Jim Miller never got to that point. Absolutely. Jim Miller is not going to get in based on being a top fighter. He, he is not. I'm just saying being the Iron Man is the reason why. Like, like but, that's just a different lane. And I think it, there are very few exceptions to the, oh, you want a great fighter lane. But I think Jim's one of those exceptions, right? You look at him. You look at also like trailblazers, people who – were the first in something mm-hmm. that maybe are deserving recognition. I think that's relevant for a growing sport to have those people represented in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say is, and look, I have, you know, I think for a long time I've, I've kind of looked at Jim Miller as, I, I think in a traditional mixed martial arts Hall of Fame, it would take a very long time for him to get in. Like if we started a MMA Hall of Fame today and Jim Miller retires in a year from now, is he in that Hall of Fame 15 years from now? I don't know. Because there's just gonna be you know, there's gonna be fires that, that come above him. Like I I do think DC's getting way too much fight, but I thought Aaron brings up a good point of like, if you think Jim Miller's a Hall of Famer, then Damian Mai should be a Hall of Famer. I uh, he, he brings up a good point that Damian has that longevity. He's you know, the amount of submissions he's put together is is historic. But I just think the 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 one sentence summary, this dude fought the most times in the UFC. That can't be touched, right? We're not we're not putting in the guy who had the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth most fights. We're putting in number one, yeah. and that's it. So that's the one lone difference. But who knows, Jason? The career is still going on. Maybe old Jim Miller still has a championship run left in him. I don't know. I can't envision him being matched up with Charles Oliveira, and I don't think that would go that well. I mean, Charles looks – he looks like a champion. He looks like a killer. Yeah. Jim well, was not on the same level as Dustin and Chandler. And, 
you know, even Connor, I think, would have his way with Jim Miller at this point. Uh, another thing I want to mention before we get into takeaways, and, and this is what I wrote down, MMA judging conversation. Because I, I had a conversation with somebody today about this. And this is what I wrote. I go, as a MMA media pundit podcast reporter, if you're unwilling to take a class on MMA judging, but you want to judge on your show, do you realize the message you're sending? Come on my show so I can get views and downloads. And, yeah. I, and I'll also say this. If I'm an MMA judge, why the hell would I go on an MMA podcast? Oh, it'd be a bad idea. There's never been a time where a judge or a referee has been on a podcast and people have come away being like, damn, I really have more respect for him and I'm going to criticize him or her less, right? Like that has never happened. So it is a bad idea. And if I was a PR person or someone in their ear, I would advise against it. Yeah. Unless you just have such a magical personality that you can get people to get on your side and love you. But by and large, I mean, MMA judges are easy to hate or dislike <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. or whatever because they they have so much power and it's so easy to make a mistake as an MMA judge. Mm -hmm. They have an opportunity to make a mis mistake anywhere from 10 to 14 times a fight card. So, yeah, they are like an official they are never the good guy. We're never talking about an MMA judge when they do a good job. We're always talking about it when they mm -hmm. do a bad job. Um, the criticism is valid, though, because there have been a lot of bad scorecards this year, and there have been a lot of bad scorecards throughout my time as an MMA observer, and I don't yeah. have confidence that MMA judging has improved dramatically. So the criticism is worth it, but should a judge go on a podcast? No, I, absolutely not. Who was the one dude who was just had that weird podcast interview? that Douglas Crosby. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to be Douglas Cosby. No, no. I mean, look, and it's just one of these things of, I think as media members, if you have the ability to take part in MMA judging course, why not do it? Why not? If you if you sat there and tell people, no, I'm not interested in do that, but I want to have a judge on my show, bro, you're just telling me you're, you just want views and downloads, and no judge is going to do that. The other thing I saw, I saw this video talking about – um potential uh, what one commission is trying to do to to help judging and the quote in the video was one leading u.s athletic commission colorado get the fuck out of here with that colorado is not a leading athletic commission i'll i've said this before i'll say it again because of what colorado did with one championship sorry colorado residents the ufc is not coming to your state yeah yeah, I mean, there are there are some organ. I mean, the two leading commissions in my mind is California and Nevada. Yes, no doubt. You, 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 that's it. I mean, you you can make a case for some other commissions, but in terms of like the size of the business they do, along with maybe the respect they have, those are the two one. Those are really the only two commissions I would say that that's a that's an accurate description leading. But to say Colorado is leading is just not true. I mean, they are. That, that's they are called not that. A part that of, that's called that's your friend that you're trying to put over to make him look like a bigger deal than what he is. It's like, at the end of the day, if the biggest mixed martial arts promoter will not come to your state anymore because you got commission shopped, you're not a leading athletic commission. Now, look, you can have all these ideas, but if that idea comes from Andy Foster, comes from Jeff Mullen, of course, Jeff Mullen runs Nevada, Andy Foster runs California, okay, I'm going to put a lot more stake into that. But it's like to call Colorado a leading athletic commission, get the fuck out of here with that because that's not true. Yeah, it's uh, and, and like I saw I saw so many people commenting on. It, I'm like, are you guys just idiots? Uh, Colorado's leading people, just no one's following. They're going in a certain direction, 
Look, they're they're gonna they're gonna get Invicta shows, LFA shows, regional shows, but you're not gonna see the UFC there. My understanding is you're not gonna see Bellator there, and my guess is you won't see PFL there either. So if, if the three biggest promoters in the United States aren't coming to your state, that should tell you something. And it, it's just like the thing is, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. If the UFC, Bellator, or PFL commission shopped, people in the MMA world would be losing their goddamn shit. But why did they not lose their shit when it was one championship doing it? I mean, I think it speaks to the fact that maybe one just doesn't have that much of an imprint on the U.S., right? Like, mm-hmm. one had their event, and it didn't get that much coverage. So I think it speaks to that more so than anything yeah. else. But also, it's like... Can like what would the UFC commission shop for, right? Like everything they do is accepted. Like, like if the UFC was going to commission shop, or if PFO or Bellator was, they would commission shop to put on like a a freak show fight. You know, that's probably yeah. what it was, and that would be a big story. I just think One FC just doesn't get a lot of American attention, and they have a great product and they have some great fighters, and I enjoy watching their broadcast. But in America, they're clearly, I would say, probably the number four most relevant promotion. And there's a pretty big gap from the PFL to 1FC. But when 1FC has some high-profile fights featuring Demetrius Johnson, people are aware of what happens. You know what I love most about one championship? It's the fact of you get all forms of martial arts. You know, I can sit there, watch a show. I can get an MMA fight. I can get a Muay Thai fight, a kickboxing matchup, grappling. I get a little bit of everything. And I think that they've done a great job of of kind of separating themselves in in part of that. But, uh, but yeah, well, uh, PFL, I'm, I'm just waiting. Is there going to be another failed drug test? That's all I'm waiting for. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's You know, I guess we can just quick hits on PFL before we do UFC. All I got to say is, holy crap. I can't believe Brendan Lodane isn't in the playoffs. That is absolutely crazy. Dude. What a finish in the main event. Dude, and, if I would have came to you at the start of the season and said Brennan Laughlin and Chris Wade will not be in the playoffs, you would have said, Jason, you're goddamn crazy. Of course they're going to be in the playoffs. How, how, how would they not? If I would have sat there and said, hey, Daniel, here's my hot takes for you. My hot takes is Brennan Laughlin and Chris Wade will not make the playoffs. And Bubba Jenkins will be the number one seed heading to the playoffs. Yeah, man. I mean, to say Pinedo is going to be in the playoffs would be crazy. And here he is in the playoffs facing Bubba Jenkins. And, hey, Bubba had a good fight, man. I I enjoyed it. He went in against a guy he was a massive, massive favorite against. Hit him with the old German suplex and put him to sleep. I I had fun watching the main card of uh, PFL. I mean, I didn't have fun watching Dylan Monte get hurt. Uh, I feel so bad for him. You know the and by the way, they did pretty decent for for PFL in terms of television ratings. But I had I had one person say to me, he said, you know, you know, we we've, we've talked about how bad the pacing is of a, of a PFL broadcast, especially when you watch it live. When you have people in the MMA industry tell you, they go, dude, that pacing is goddamn awful. How do people watch it live? I was like, damn, I guess I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, time is money. I mean, you look at what baseball's done. You can't go the opposite way in terms of having less action over a longer period of time. I, I think my last takeaway from PFL is just what do you think about the career of Marlon Moraes? Because he was the other fighter that retired this weekend, obviously suffered a tough loss, seven consecutive losses to to end his career. But he was still a guy who had a really nice peak during the World Series of Fighting Days mm-hmm. as one of the most exciting featherweights. 
Yeah, I mean, think about this, okay? He also was, he lost eight of his last nine fights. His only win was a split decision win against Jose Aldo. That was at UFC 245. The losses, TKO lost to Henry Cejudo. TKO lost to Corey Sanhagen. TKO lost to Rob Font. TKO lost to Rob Davashvili. Uh, Knockout loss against Song Yunong. Then three straight TKO losses in the PFL. Shane Marais, Brandon Laughlin, and Gabriel Braga. It, it's, it's the unfortunate part of this business, Daniel is that this is how things more times than not end. But, like, yeah, but if you think about, you know, when I think about the highlights of Marlon Moraes, yeah, I think a lot about those World Series of Fighting Days, some of those knockouts that he had, and even, um, you know, that run that he had leading up to fighting for the UFC Bantamweight title, you know, win over John Dotson, win against Aljo, win against Rivera, win against the Sun Sal. Like, those are the things that, that stick out to me about Marlon Moraes. But, man, just, just sad to see a fighter go out that way, and you, you truly hope that this is the end for him. Um, but, you know, we saw another, I don't know if you, you saw this, we had another retirement in mixed martial arts that should have happened a long time ago. I didn't see I don't know who you're talking about. Bigfoot Silva finally announced his retirement. Uh, thank God. Thank God. I mean. Apparently, was- I, I, I every time he had a fight, I'm like, does anyone give a flying fuck about him? Yeah, because he suffered so many tough knockout losses. And he was fighting some heavy, heavy hitters. And this is a guy who's 43 years old. But, yeah, that career was awful, man. And the, the, not the career. Like, the, the end of the career was awful. Bigfoot mm-hmm. Silva had a really respectable a career in Elite XC and Strike Force, But, yeah, you, you look at his run to end his career and just knock out losses to leave the UFC. Knock out losses and fight night. And I'm glad he's retired because it, it was getting dangerous. And, and that's why Marlon should stay away. I mean. He has nothing else to prove. I mean, the one thing we see is everyone always comes back because this is what they do well. You're talking about people who spend two decades training in martial arts, training to compete. It's their entire life. It's their skill set, Jason. I mean, think of how much time you've spent in the audio business and to to say, hey, you just got to stop doing it. Yeah, I started in 2002. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, bro, you got to stop doing it. Go do something else. Like, that's crazy, but that's what we're telling athletes to do. That's the life they experience. I mean, Marlon started in 2007. Uh, he probably started training in martial arts before that. And now he looks at a point where he's got to stay away from competition. And if he stays in the sport, he can be a trainer. But outside of that, a lot of these fighters are faced with pivoting in their career. And, and that's why we see them coming back. And the And you know the unfortunate part of this is there's always going to be a promoter that will say, Hey man, I got a spot for you. Yeah. Like, like absolutely. I would be shocked if BKFC has not reached out to Marlon Marais. I would be shocked, yeah. you know? Uh, but speaking of UFC 289, clearly the, the number one star of UFC 289 to me has to be what the Bronx went out there and did get that TKO win there in the first round, four minutes and 10 seconds clearly should be next. I don't care what Islam Mahachev has to say. The fight to make for Islam Mahachev is Charles Oliver. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Charles, he looked amazing. I mean, he went up against a top contender and Benil Dariush and they went to the ground for a little bit. Benil really couldn't do much from that position when Charles wanted to get up. They got up, and he just had his way with him on the feet, knocked him doozy, put him away. Charles is the most interesting challenger for Islam Mahachev. Obviously, the one guy that could jump him is clearly Conor McGregor because of his name value, but he probably won't fight 
before Islam fights next, honestly. Islam's next fight will probably happen before McGregor takes on Chandler, if that fight ever freaking happens. But, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of what, Connor, you know what it made me think of? Did you see the advertisements leading into UFC 289 about if you ordered it on ESPN Plus? No, I didn't. That you got immediate access to episode three of the Ultimate Fighter? I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, I, I, in my head, I'm like, I'm like, not trying to shit on the Ultimate Fighter here, but I'm like, did people look at that as a reason to buy UFC 289? No, I don't think a single person bought it. I mean, I've had immediate access to episode two since last week, and I still haven't seen it. Uh, it it's, uh, yeah, that's not a, not a it, bro, thing. Bro, to- it's the same old Ultimate Fighter. I mean, it, it's just a new cast. I mean, it, it's... Like, look, there are certain reality shows that I love. The Challenge is one of them. I will watch every season of the Challenge. I mean, look, yeah, it's pretty much the same show, but there's always different contests they do. It's it, it's just the Ultimate Fire, just an episode I just don't I don't get intrigued about. I just don't. Um, but, uh, you know, when I look at the rest of uh, the takeaways here, I mean, kind of feel bad for Chris Curtis as he's you know begging Jason Herzog to give him another minute or two, and basically Doc's like, yeah, no, no, you can't fight yeah yeah that sucks for him uh that was that was a tough no contest and that was a fight i was really looking forward to and it was a decent fight while it was happening i felt like Oliveira was the big star so was amanda and if i was going to give credit to number three who was the big star of uc 289 i would say it was the crowd in canada they were so loud they were amazing they're hungry for a new canadian star they had a couple of fighters like jasmine da- jasmine Devisius pulling off an upset over Maverick. You had uh, uh, Burrio beating Anders. You had Malat beating Fugit. I mean, these are possible stars, but for me, watching the pay-per-view, watching the environment, all I got to say is give these Canadian fans a badass pay-per-view. Give them a stacked main card. Give them an awesome prelims. They deserve it because they came out and they made some freaking noise. And I, I, I thought that was the big takeaway. Overall, it was a pretty weak pay-per-view. Um, outside of that, Jason, I mean, the big takeaways also were like Kyle Nelson looks like really good against Blake Builder. Uh, Steven Ursic came in as a late replacement at Flyweight and it was really active on the feet and took advantage of David David uh, Verak's kind of cautiousness and looking to counterpunch and he won a decision. And then number three, uh, Eamon Zahabi just looked phenomenal at Bantamweight with his quick knockout win. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably say to me, uh, outside of Charles Oliver, I think Mike Mallott is kind of the guy that intrigues me the most of what he could potentially be there at 170 pounds. But uh, moving ahead to this weekend's mixed martial arts action, of course, all the three big promoters here in the United States all got fight cards, of course, on Friday. Bellator and PFL have shows. Saturday, the UFC there has their fight night card there from the Apex out, of course, with headline by Martin Vittori and Jared Cannonier. Of course, uh, the PFL show got the, the men's heavyweights are, are the feature. Also, you got the women's, uh, you know, 45ers on there as well. Um, probably, as I look at the PFL, I mean, I know you, you're going to be all about your guy, Maurice Green, trying to sell this storyline to get him that he got him fight. But uh, as I look at the PFL show, I think uh, probably the fight I would say, you know, sticks out to me is, is the co-main event of that car, Pacheco and Amanda Liebrock, of course, after uh, what, uh, what Amber was able to do there in her opening um, PFL debut earlier this year. Uh, Bellator, I mean, look, I, I love this Bellator show. I still, I still can't comprehend of why 
Patricio Pitbull, Sergio Pass is not headlining this event. Um, and, and Vadim Nemkov and Yoel Romero is, is headlining this event. Uh, I mean, look, the, the Bellator card's a great card. I mean, and I put a video up on my TikTok today and, and from my Sunday podcast. And, you know, it's to me, it's still kind of baffling that this Bellator card just has no buzz. And, you know, someone commented and said, yes, yeah, because no one cares about Bellator. I can't disagree with that. Yeah. It's, it's certainly that's probably what's going on here. And they've, they've got to figure things out. they got to sort their shit. But as we talk here, we both know they've got a baller fight. I mean, Pitbull and Pettis, that's one of the best fights this promotion has ever put on. Pitbull has an opportunity to become a three-division champion. I saw he talked about maybe even becoming a four-division yes. champion <laughs> and cutting down to 125 to maybe take on Koyoji Horiguchi. And I'm just like, that is mind-blowing because we've never seen somebody win three championships in three divisions in any major mixed martial arts promotion that has that big of a difference between weight classes. So I'm excited. What's your what's your take on this fight? Who who are you leaning towards between Pitbull and Sergio? I've learned, I've learned my lesson in this. You don't bet against Patricio Pitbull. You know, yeah. I, I think part of this is, so you have Sergio Pettis coming back from major surgery with his knee. How, how does he come back from that? Uh, Patricio Pitbull, what, you know, I, I think that for a long time, a lot of us did look at Patricio as truly a 135er that just wasn't cutting weight to get to 45. And, of course, we saw what he did, you know, at, at 55 pounds with a lightweight tile there. I mean, I feel like, Patric- you know, I, I feel like this is a fight that probably plays out on the feet most likely. Um, I, I think if grappling happens in this one, I kind of feel like it's probably on the Sergio Pettis side of the equation as more than on the Patricio Pitbull, but uh, Pitbull's a two to one favorite. I, I think those, those betting odds are pretty accurate there. Um, I, I think Patricio Pitbull's going to get the job done. Then just the question becomes is, is his next matchup against the interim champion in um, Patchy Mix, or does he go to 25, take on Koji Horiguchi? And if I'm Koji Horiguchi, of course that's saying Koji Horiguchi wins his fight on July 30th. That would be the fight I would want if I'm Horiguchi. Yeah, absolutely. That's the biggest fight he could possibly have, a fight against Pitbull. Um, gosh, I, I, I'm leaning towards Patricio as well. I mean, Sergio's a tough opponent. He, he is. He, he's he's well-rounded, and he looked amazing against um, Horiguchi with that spinning back fist. But on the feet, I, I like Patricio a whole lot. Sergio can probably control Pitbull with the wrestling, but Pitbull's a really talented grappler. Pitbull, to me, has more fight-ending ability, and I think throughout 25 minutes, that may come into play. And the biggest thing that's tipping my hand towards Patricio is is the injury of of Sergio, the recovery. I mean, you're recovering to take on the most talented fighter you've ever fought. The concern for Patricio, uh, we're starting to look at father time here. He's had a very long career. He is 35 years old. He's not going to be fighting in Bellator five years from now. I don't believe. I don't think he's going to be 40 years old still fighting. He certainly could, but I, I doubt it. So there comes a point in time when Father Time wins. It could be on It could be on Friday night, but I don't think so. I think Patricio wins the Bantamweight Championship, and I do think he needs to fight Patchy Mix because Patchy deserves the opportunity to prove to the world that he's an undisputed Bantamweight champion. Let's not get sidetracked by a new weight class. Patchy is the interim champion. He deserves that fight. Well, and I think if you're Bellator, I would think that when you made this matchup, that had to be part of the equation of like, hey, man, if you win this belt, you got you got to defend it. This can't be a one-and-done type situation here. Um, I will say this. There's one fight on this card uh, that 
I know no one's probably going to talk about, but it's a fight that really interests me. It's on the prelims. Archie Colgan and Emmanuel Sanchez. That looks like a textbook Joe Silva matchup to me, my man. I <laughs> know. You're not wrong. It's, it's one of those things. It's one of those matchups that when I look at this fight card, I was like, ooh, that's kind of an interesting one. Um, you know, uh, the, ma- the main talk, event. Talk, talk, me up, talk me up about what you what you like about Archie Colgan. I, I love the training team he comes out of. I mean, young prospect. I mean, this guy's got, got out of it. I mean, Emmanuel Sanchez definitely has, you know, been on the downside of his run here in Bellator, and Bellator continues to give him opportunities. Of course, now at 155 pounds, Archie Colgan is a guy that if you told me two years from now he's challenging for the Bellator lightweight title, I would probably agree with you. I think that's that's the trajectory that that he's on. Um, I don't see how the hell you Romero, Romero beats Vinny Nimkov. Maybe I'll be maybe I'll look like a you know a jackass in, in saying that, but I just think Nimkov goes out there and, and cruises. Corey Anderson, Phil Davis could be really boring. It could be a really boring fight. Yeah. If it's not, I think it means that Corey Anderson went out there and knocked out Phil Davis. But I feel yeah. like this that thing's going to go 15 minutes. Um, the wrestling negates itself and, and becomes a, a 15 minute striking fest, which I, I do give the edge to Corey Anderson that one. Uh, Daniel James, look, Daniel James goes out there and gets a win. He's right there with, with uh, Lynn Vassell should get the next title shot. He should. But if Daniel James goes out there and win, to me, he's got to be uh, right there uh, in terms of that. Uh, Mike Campbell, guy I've had on the show plenty of times, always interested. Um, and, and I'm interested to see how does Cody Law. I mean, this is a guy that was a, a highly talented prospect at one point. You know, he's he's lost two fights now. How does he bounce yeah. back? That That's what sticks out to me about the Bellator card. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, obviously, number one is the main event. Number two is just watching Vadim Nemkov perform. He might be the best light heavyweight in the world, um, and he's going to have an opportunity to prove that. Against Joel Romero. And, and yeah, Romero's not my pick. I mean, when's the last time he beat a top guy? I guess when he beat Luke Rockhold at UFC 221. But, you know, you look back at his quality wins, and a lot of these guys are retired or out of the UFC, right? His last win was over Melvin Manhoff, which was not impressive. I mean, yeah. Melvin's one of those guys who should have retired a very long time ago. Um, the thing about Joel Romero is he's a very weird fighter. He can. He has moments of genius, moments mm-hmm. that showcase how great of an athlete he is. But uh, this is a 46-year-old fighter going up against a guy who I consider to be at the very least a top three light heavyweight in the world. I think Nemkov extends his uh, his reign here and, and defends it successfully. And in terms of the other fights on the main card, I, I do like Corey Anderson or Phil Davis. He just has, to me, vastly superior stand-up. There's just a big gap in the stand-up between these two. And then Daniel James, I think, is going to get that win over Gokin Sarakam and continue to uh, move up the heavyweight rankings, right? We saw him headline a show last time out. This time in, I think it's important that he goes out and makes an impression with the finish. And moving over to the PFL, of course, uh, you know, the one thing I do love about these PFL cards is it's a win or go home situation for a lot of these fighters. And one of the fighters I want to mention is a fighter that I had on Sunday's podcast, Patrick Brady. So he was supposed to make his PFL debut earlier this year uh, twice. Ultimately, did not happen. He, he talked about uh, mm-hmm. one time his, his first opponent pulled out. Then he ended up getting a staff infection, and uh, yeah, the commission would not let him fight. <laughs> They're like, no, you cannot fight with that thing. And what I found really interesting is, so when you look at the heavyweight standings in the PFL, so you have uh, Golstoff with six points, Green with five, uh, Marquez with three, and Hen with three as well. So I, I so obviously for, for Patrick Brady, to get into the playoffs, 
you likely to have a realistic chance, you probably got to get a first round victory. Yeah. But I, th- I found it really interesting talking to him, the fact that he's like, I'm not chasing the first round victory. He goes, if it happens, it happens. But I'm just, he goes, he goes, honestly, he goes, I'm expecting a 15 minute battle. And I just, I thought that was a really interesting thought process because I think outside looking in, I would think the mindset would be, hey, I got to go out there and get six points because obviously there are some fighters who, you, you look at it, you have fighters six through 10 all have zero points. Uh, Schaefel has three points, but everyone else has either three, five, or six. So it's like, it's one of those interesting things. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, you're Maurice Green, you're in a pretty good position. Well, no, I think Schaefel has zero. Uh, I think was- Mark. I yeah, thought yeah. Marquez has three. Uh, Marquez has three. Yeah. Oh, they they must have it listed here wrong. Yeah, he should. Unless, have zero. Yeah, unless yeah, I. Um, so I think he's. I think five points will be what gets you into the tournament. So then you need I a second round so. finish. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, okay. First off, Maurice Green and Anti Delage. I mean, that fight might end in the first round. Anti could get six points. Um, Dennis remember that's off. and that's a big part of the tiebreaker with PFL is if you have six points and it's a decision uh, and like you have two decision wins, the person who got the finish wins the tiebreaker. Wow. So yeah, I think um, Goltsov, who's at six, probably just going to get one point against Jorgen De Castro because the last time we saw Jorgen fight, he had no interest in fighting. So that might just go fifteen minutes and have no one hit each other. Yeah, Goltsov, uh, you just got to win a decision. You're in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're looking at that Ferreira Scheifel fight. See if that has a finish. Brady has a chance if he if he finishes Heiderman, but I think winning the decision is not going to get him in because there's a guarantee that Ferreira and Scheifel, one of them is going to get three points. And yeah, I I think when I look at this, I think Marquez will probably beat Marcelo Nunez too. So you're looking at that fourth spot if you're Patrick Brady, but. When I'm looking at this PFL card, I agree with you. The, the Lebrock Pacheco fight is the number one fight. Pacheco's the most interesting um, fighter on this fight card. Uh, she impressed me so much with her win over Kayla Harrison. I'm looking forward to seeing her tournament run. And so, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that fight. I'm also looking forward to the main event. You know, I love me some Reese Green. I'm going to root for him to win and prove my theory right that he's going to be the uh, challenger for Francis Ngannou. And, you know, Ali Walsh, I'm all in on on Muhammad Ali's uh, nephew, right? Or uh, grant? What is it? What, what's Ali Walsh's relation to him? Uh, grandson. Grandson. Hell yeah, I'm into uh, I'm into that storyline. I mean, also another storyline is we we've seen various former UFC fighters struggle in the PFL. Aspen Lads got to get a win. She needs points. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how crazy could it be? Is if you sit there and say if she doesn't get the victory on Friday night. She's not making the playoffs. Yeah. You know, a fighter that was originally a super fighter, apparently. But she set up against Carolina Sobek in a fight she uh, is set up to win. I mean, that, that's that's a matchup. You don't is, say. Is you nice. don't say. Yeah, that's a nice matchup for her. Yeah, I mean, it, but that, that to me is when we get to this stage of the PFL, why it, it intrigues me and why – you know, Friday night is a great night to be a combat sports fan. You can do a two TV setup or a TV and a, a computer or iPad, whatever it may be. And you can watch both these fights because they're both essentially happening at, at the same time. But that to me, what's making it very interesting, especially, you know, if we get to, you know, Pacheco and, and Labrock and the co-main event, they're going to know exactly what they have to do to get into the playoffs. And, um, you know, and, and as a, 
as a sports consumer, you hope there is something on the line that one of them, they know if they lose, they're not not in the playoffs in terms of that. And obviously, uh, Pacheco's only got three points, where Lebrock, she's got six points with that knockout finish he had in the opening one. And then, of course, on Saturday, we got UFC Vegas 75. Uh, you know, obviously a notable main event with Vittori and Jared Cannonier. But uh, the rest of this card, man, it's... Uh, it's tough for me to get excited for us this card. I mean, I look, I do like the past 17 Lucas Almeida fight, but man, this is like, if you want to say like you're a hardcore MMA fan, if, if, this is how you prove you're a hardcore MMA fan. If you're, you're jazzed up for this UFC fight card. Yeah. And there's a lot of fights too, bro. There there's like, I think the fights I'm interested in is probably Barcelo, Randy Barcelos versus Miles Jones at Bantam White. Jimmy Flick versus Alessandro Costa at flyweight on the prelims. Those are the two fights I'm excited for. Uh, Sabatini Almeida is a good one. Armin Sarukian is a phenomenal lightweight, and he's set up to perform well against Joaquim Silva. I mean, that's a, that's a mismatch. Oh, you I mean because he's a 10-to-1 betting favorite? Yeah, that's crazy, but it's deserving. But the only reason why to watch this show, and you know it's an apex card when you see the card, but the only reason to watch it is the main event. The Tory Cannoneer, a phenomenal middleweight main event. Um, and I've gone back and forth on it. We both know that Marvin's going to want to put Cannoneer on his back and, I, and win that way. I think it, if he can't get it to that, I think it'll be more about putting his back up against the fence and just kind of grinding on Cannoneer against the fence. I mean, like, if you tell me this is a fight at range, I like Jared Cannoneer to win. I just, I just think that Vittori utilizes that that clinch fest, puts him up against the fence, takes him down, and probably gets a twenty five minute decision. I think the one thing that makes me lean towards Marvin is the fact that he can take a punch. Mm-hmm. He he has shown an ability to not get finished, and that's Jared's gateway to winning. Because I feel like Marvin's going to win the majority of this fight with grappling or wrestling attempts or clinch work, and Jared's way to win this fight is by putting him to sleep. But I think Marvin is so hard to put to sleep that that's why Vittori is my pick, and I think I'm going to go with him to win by decision. But it's a big opportunity for one of these guys to assert themselves and be like, hey, I want that championship fight. I'm one of the best middleweights in the world. Now let me say this, Daniel. As much as I say I'm not really interested in this card, I think I'm going to be home on Saturday all day. Okay. So what else am I going to watch? NBA's over. I have no idea if the NHL is over. I really don't pay attention. Yeah, it's still going on. I'm not. I'm not. Old. I'm not a. I'm not a huge baseball fan. So I went to uh, my buddy um, is retired military, so he gets free military tickets on on Rays Tuesday game. So we went. We sat at the bar the whole time. The bar in the stadium. Oh my! Like gosh. we literally watched the game on TV and sat at the bar and drank and just talked. That's hilarious! I can't believe y'all did that. But you know that's how you, that's how you know you got a free ticket. Uh, <laughs> if, if well, you, usually, usually what we do is we go stand in center field. There's a um, it's called at one time I don't know if it's still called this, but at one time it was called the porch. There's a bar out there now. It's uh, they don't have bartenders out there. It's all grab and go situation. But usually we would stand out of the outfield, just you know watch the game from the outfield. But uh, this game we just we, yeah we sat at the bar and uh, yeah had a good time. I had a great time. But yeah, we, we yeah. watched it on TV. Yeah, so there there is um, there is nothing for you to watch then because the NHL playoffs happen tonight as we record, so people will know whether or not Vegas is won. And their next game is on Friday, so there's no Saturday game. So you're gonna have to be watching Dude, this one I live, was, my man. 
look, I was last time watching the NBA Finals. I'm rooting for the Heat. I'm like, come on, let's get let's get Game Six. Let's get Game Seven. Let, let's give me some sports to watch because, yeah, man, we're 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 getting that point in the summer where if you're not a baseball fan, there really isn't much sports to watch. Yeah, and I, I'm a big baseball fan, but I'm really sad because we lost our starting pitcher, the Texas Rangers. We lost Jacob Degrom to a second Tommy John surgery. So. Uh, Oh, so I, I, what I thought was interesting is I love the new baseball pitch clock. I think it's awesome. But one of my buddies who's a huge baseball fan, he's like, I hate it. He goes, it is taken away from the game. He goes, I absolutely hate it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I love it, man. I, I do. I, I love the fact that I know that something's going to happen in like 15 seconds. That's great. Yeah. It, it, it's bad for like looking at social media in between pitches, which is what I used to do, which I still do at times. But, yeah, I, I dig it. I think the sport you got to get into is probably Formula One, right? You wake up in the morning, watch a race on a, on a Sunday. It, it's great. You drink some coffee. I, I'm, not, I'm not a I, coffee guy, bro. I'm a Celsius oh yeah, guy. I'm a Celsius guy. Even though Dude, I'll tell you this. So for people who know me, they'll probably be shocked to know this. So the day after Mother's Day, I quit drinking soda. Wow. And, wow. and so I'm, I'm like, I'm like hardcore. I drink water, Gatorade. Uh, I drink Gatorade light after a night out. I'm just going to tell you, like, look, it's not the greatest tasting thing in the world, but it does the trick to get you uh, rehydrated. I'm just saying. Yeah, for, for my, for my fellow people who might enjoy a few adult beverages on a Friday or Saturday night. And when you wake up the next morning and you kind of, you, you need that, you're not quite hung over, but you're kind of dehydrated. Get, get that Gatorade light. I'm telling you, it, it does, it does this magic. I love me a Gatorade heavy. All right. Give me the full Gatorade. No, no. Like, look, it's, I, but I'll tell you this. And so I, obviously a big part of me, the reason I, I, I wanted to kind of wean off soda what was from a health aspect, you know, of, of just drinking more water than anything else. And the one thing, and, and I've got a buddy who's, who's lost a ton of weight. He's probably lost 150 pounds and you know, he, he a lot of it, obviously he changed his diet. DDP yoga is something that he did. And, and I was telling him on Friday night, I said, I go the craziest thing, like the, the biggest effect. Cause like I had a Coke zero a couple of days ago. And I was like, I just need some. I need something. I need. I need. And then I was like, this doesn't even taste good anymore. And and you know, the, the other crazy thing about it is, I don't eat as much as I used to. Wow, that's good, man. You're yeah. becoming a healthy a healthy king over here, uh, dude. I'm, you know, yeah. I mean, dude, I'm 42 years old, or I'll be yeah. 40. I'll be 42 this year. I'm 41. I, bro, you, you, once you get past 40, you just quit counting. Yeah, uh, do once you get past twenty three, quit counting. Yeah, sometimes I forget how old I am. Yeah, I'm twenty seven, almost twenty eight. Uh, but yeah, we'll see, man. Hopefully, hopefully I'll be around for next week's podcast. I got a match tomorrow, so hopefully I don't, you know, get put down six feet under. But we'll see. We'll see. So we how got I go. what, sing, singles match. Singles match going up against uh, one of the top guys in my home promotion. Um, you know, I haven't wrestled here as like a professional wrestler. And five years ago, I walked in to the doors and I went to his show and I had so much anxiety 
I didn't talk to anyone, but I went in intending to become a wrestler asked to get trained. So I went to several shows. Uh Eventually I talked to someone. So five years ago I got started on my journey of training and you know, several times I I quit. It wasn't the best training because it's just local guys doing a thing. But over five years, every Friday night, I would help set up and tear down the ring. I know every aspect of that wrestling ring. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a couple times where I did wrestle, but as a cameraman, so they were like gimmick matches. So this is the first time tomorrow, Wednesday night, I'll be wrestling in that ring as a professional wrestler. And I'll be wrestling a dude. I remember his first day into the school. So we'll see what happens. He's a big, scary guy. Uh, hopefully, I make it make it back in one piece next week to talk some more MMA. So here, here's my question with this: Mom and Dad showing up? You know what? They showed up to my last show, and uh, they, one of my my dad got into it with the wrestler. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't aware of, of this, and he didn't. They didn't like the wrestler just came out. I was like, "Who's this fat guy?" or whatever, and my dad got all pissed. Uh, so they did. They did. They did go to my last show, but I, I don't think so. Maybe some family. Like I post on social media, so people surprise me when they show up. Uh, I, I would rather perform in front of people I don't know than people I do know. To be honest with you, that, make, that but, makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, it just yeah, because it could be embarrassing, right? If you go and you you look stupid, especially when you're first starting your career, that's when you're most likely to make mistakes and, and whatnot. But uh, we'll see. Nervous. Got to shave all my body hair tonight. And uh, hopefully perform well tomorrow. Well, good luck to you, bro. Go out there and have a good show, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I, appreciate I, I know it. I could not. I could not do that. I would straight up. I could not do that. I, I you know. But uh, but yeah, I've I've you know I've been I've been watching more and more wrestling. I've been watching, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you'll become a full fledged fan whenever I get signed to a major promotion. Uh, Seven don't years. don't really watch AEW. Uh, just oh, doesn't. you got you got to start watching AEW. That's where I, I want to go to AEW. So yeah, you know, you, get you know, I uh, I watched a little bit of Raw Monday night. Um, okay. I, I do I do like the whole Bloodline angle. I think that's a really they've written that really well. I think that's yeah. been really well written by the WWE. Yeah, they do. They did. I mean, it's one of the best storylines ever. It really is. It's it's been a long time since we've had a great storyline like that. But it, rest in peace, by the way, to the Iron Sheik. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's what uh, the to me the the thing that's so amazing about that the way the WWE has done the Bloodline is how long this story has been developing. Like that to me is the the, the long term writing of this story to me is just what makes it uh, just so fascinating as someone who, I mean, look, I grew up a professional wrestling fan. Like, man, like when I was in high school, I mean, I mean, we're sitting there talking about DX and and the NWO and everything that was going on with that. And, um, you know, and and I kind of, you know, I kind of found myself away from professional wrestling and, you know, now as you know, various things happen in my life. um, It's one of those things I just, you know, I sit there, I turn on and, and check it out. And sometimes I enjoy the product. Sometimes I'm like, eh, doesn't really get me. Yeah. Well, hey, man, you know, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get you there. We'll get, turn you into a convert one of these days, and we'll start our side pro wrestling podcast to go with everything. But Well, I mean, AEW is coming to Tampa. Um, maybe, maybe I'll have to go to the AEW show. I think it's like July 2nd or something. It, it, yeah, you should go. It's different when you're live and, they're, and you're interacting with the wrestlers and you have the energy and uh, I don't know if it's a dynamite or a collision, but either way, I mean, it should be a good show. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like three weeks before Raw's coming here, which I thought was kind of an, an interesting time to do it. You know? Wow. 
Yeah, that is interesting. I because they they must are they in different arenas? Yeah, yeah. They're uh, so Raw will be at Amelie Arena, which is where the Tampa Bay Lightning play. Uh, AEW will be at the Yingling Center, where is that's on the campus of the University of South Florida. So I mean, you're talking about obviously Amelie's a twenty thousand seat building, where Yingling's probably eight to ten thousand. Yeah. I, I've yeah. I've seen more like comedy shows at Yingling Center than anything else. Yeah, I mean and it's it's been around for forever. It was it was a Sun Dome back in the day. Uh, back in the day, that's where WWE would do a lot of things. I I'll never forget the one time uh, we went to a WWE show. This was when John Cena was a heel, doing the whole thugonomics thing, and it was a house show, and people are chanting "You suck, you suck." It's on the mic. Goes, yeah, I may suck, but y'all swallow. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> damn, yeah. Can't imagine John Cena saying that now. But, damn, that was the first iteration of John Cena. Dude, I couldn't that. imagine you hearing any wrestler on WWE programming would say that right now. I know, right, with how things have gone in terms of, like, the PG era and stuff. But it was a different time. That was kind of fresh off the heels of the Attitude Era as they were making that transition. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, you know, I mean, I, I, I still say I think some of the greatest wrestling shows I ever went to was ECW. Because it was yeah. just straight up chaos. Yeah, I love watching. Uh, I, have, I follow an Instagram page that just shows like crazy ECW moments, and consistently, I just love love that page. Like, it's just a great page. It's one of those things that if they did that show in today's world, and you told people, I don't think people would believe you. Yeah, like, yeah. like literally, fans are bringing in like cooking sheets and fry and frying pans and various things. And, and some he, of the things the wrestlers would do is just un- crazy. And, and there was a point where you knew if you had a seat on the floor, at some point there was a good chance your seat was not going to be there anymore. Yeah. It was going to be used to batter a dude's head in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Those, those are, I mean, some of the craziest shows, craziest shows. Yeah. I, I did see, by the way, speaking of local MMA, CFFC is coming back here to Tampa in July. And, uh, you know, it's not a cheap ticket. It's not a cheap ticket because it's at, you know, it's at the Hard Rock Casino here. But uh, I think that's something I'm going to check out here. You should, man. There's nothing like a live experience for anything, especially to get that local scene, see how people react, drink a couple of daddy sodas. Uh, you should hit I know you gave up regular sodas, but drink a couple of daddy sodas. Oh, I, I oh, I'm yeah, t- dude, I drank way too much last week. Yeah. yeah. It, got, it got to Sunday and I was like, all right, Jason, you got to slow the fuck down. <laughs> You know it's bad when you tell yourself, hey, man, you need to slow down. Hey, 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 coach, put me on the bench. Put me on the bench. Let me rest during this quarter. Yeah, yeah. I just, oh, man. I, you know, I had way too many Stellas. Way too many Stellas. Oh, yeah, dog. Well, you know, when you're at had, home, had some <clears throat> Had some good chicken wings on uh, Friday night, though. That, that's a good day. Yeah. Get yourself some chicken wings, some Stellas. Dude, this, this, place, this place I go to. It's uh, it's baked wings, mm-hmm. and the meat just falls right off the bone. It's so damn good. Damn, damn. I'm sure you, you, you're like, I cannot have that kind of food right now. I, I got to make sure I'm in peak condition for tomorrow night. I know. Maybe tomorrow night after the match, I'll go get myself some chicken wings because you're speaking my love language, my friend. 
Oh, I know, I know. I'm sure I will enjoy some uh, fine quality products. So when I, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever I end up doing this weekend, maybe maybe I'll order a pizza while I watch the fights here on Friday and Saturday. But that is going to do it for this edition of the Airport Podcast. Of course, appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast. Uh, I will not have an interview edition on Sunday, so me, my Daniel, me and Daniel will be back next Wednesday to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. 